You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens with Amy Johnson and Chris G. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. All right, hi everyone. Welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast, episode 188 here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Chris G, and I'll be your host today. Today is Saturday, April 23rd, and I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host. He is the editor-in-chief, the founder, and the president of Rocket Sports. How are you doing, Rick? I'm doing okay, I think... Uh, like most Habs fans, I'm doing okay, and and it isn't maybe the the energetic opening that we usually have to uh, the Canadians Connection podcast, and that's because uh, a sad event that uh, many Habs fans are still getting used to that is the the passing of Gila Fleur, and it seems that um, you know the. Uh, this week, there's only one story, almost. Uh, certainly, that news has overshadowed uh, what's happened. But we're going to do our... Of course, there, there, are, there are other things to talk about, and we'll do our best to uh, to do that and then get to um, the Guy Lafleur, uh, all the reflections of Guy Lafleur in our second segment. And, and listen, if you're... Um, uh, you know, if you've never seen Guy Lafleur play, if you only watched clips of Guy Lafleur. If you saw him on TV, but not live, if you were, if you saw him on TV or saw him live in, in, uh, the Montreal for this podcast is, is for you and, and certainly our se- second segment. And we're going to try and cover it from all the angles, but, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, a tough news this week for, uh, the Montreal Canadians. Yeah, for sure. It was very, uh, very big and sad news, uh, you know, for for the Canadians, and you know, we'll, we'll do it throughout the episode. But our condolences to uh, Guy Lafleur's family, friends, organization, and everybody, all the fans, uh, for uh, for Guy Lafleur. So that we'll, we'll spend a lot of time, especially on our big topic, discussing uh, Guy Lafleur. Uh, other than that, like in other news, like there was a couple of roster news for the Canadians that we'll take a look at uh, as well. And we'll also have a prospect report, which will include updates of the Laval Rocket, the Trois-Rivières Lions. And I'm even going to tell you how Yaroslav Halak affected the Canadians organization this week. I'm interested to hear that. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's years, but he, he still has an impact. He had an impact on the Canadians organization this week, so I'll, I'll tell you about that later in this uh, first segment. Uh, but first, you know, a, a recap of the Canadians games from uh, this week and a reminder to check out comprehensive previews and post-game reviews for every Canadians game at uh, allhabs.net. And while it began last Saturday, Alex Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals were at the Bell Centre. The Canadians managed to keep the game close. They were trailing 4-3 to three early in the third period when the Capitals exploded with four goals in the third period on their way to an 8-4 win. Jake Evans, Ryan Paling with uh, two goals, and Nick Suzuki scored for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Alexander Romanov and David Savard were on the ice for six of Washington's goals. So, Rick, that third period there in that game it got pretty ugly. It did. Um, I guess the 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 positive spin uh, is that uh, the, the memories I have from that game are uh, pre-game. Uh, Lars Eller, former uh, Canadians uh, forward, came over and and tapped. Uh, he he did the unthinkable and crossed center ice during the warm up, um, but he it was for good purposes um, and uh, tapped Carey Price, uh, welcomed him back. Um, Price on the bench that game. Uh, Alexander Ovechkin waiting for his shift, uh, hanging on the boards, and uh, reached over and did a, a little fist pump of uh, a fist bump of respect to to Carey Price. Uh, those those are genuine, nice, genuine moments, and the thing that uh, we can take away from this game. I also appreciate Alex Ovechkin scoring because I have in my hockey pool, so that's always good news. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Carey uh, uh, Price got the starting goal on Tuesday as the Minnesota Wild visited the Bell Center. And while once again the Canadians weren't able to score, the Wild scored a power play goal in the first and they sealed a 2 nothing victory with an early third period goal. And it was the third consecutive game that Carey Price started and the Canadians were, were shut out. They weren't able to get any goals for, for Carey Price. Yeah, and, and you're right that that... Uh, that first game of that uh, sequence goes back to game five of the Stanley Cup final um, that uh, Tampa Bay won, one nothing, uh, no offense there, and then uh, two, two starts that uh, uh, the Canadians couldn't provide any goal support for, for Price. Price played uh, uh, very well in those first two games, uh, but uh, need, needed his mates to score a goal for him. And well, they ended up scoring for Carey Price on Thursday when the Flyers were in town. The Flyers were up two to nothing when the Habs they got a break when Brendan Gallagher he made a hand pass to Mike Hoffman for a goal, and that goal snapped a drought of 195 minutes and 31 seconds with Carey Price in net. And like you mentioned, Rick, it dated back to last year's Stanley Cup final when Josh Anderson scored in overtime to give uh, Montreal a three to win over the Lightning. That was a good moment at that particular game. Uh, the problem was that the Canadians allowed six even-strength goals to the Flyers in a 6-3 loss. Jake Evans and Cole Caulfield were Montreal's other goal scorers. And with that loss, it extends the Canadians' losing streak to seven games and only two wins in their last 13 games. Something had to give because both of these teams, the Flyers and the Canadians, came into the game having been losers of the previous six uh, Flyers uh, got it together and, and came out the winner. Uh, this was, um, I, as in my recap, I congratulated uh, any Habs fans who made it through. It was an ugly game to watch. Um, the Canadians 
Um, Marty St. Louis afterwards talked about the number of turnovers. Uh, turnovers in the game were um, registered by the off-ice uh, officials, and those are the Montreal officials, so there's always a little bit of partisanship in there, but they were um, listed as 20-4 to 4, uh, giveaways uh, by the Canadians. Uh, I think there was even a few more than that, but it was uh, it was just a nastily played game. Um, wasn't pleasant to watch, and and uh, two teams that um, find themselves at the bottom of the standings. And now in the roster news from uh, from this week on uh, Tuesday, uh, Yoel Armia he was granted a leave of absence to attend a family matter in uh, Finland. So he practiced with the team that morning and then returned uh, back home. Uh, there's no timeline, at least I was mentioned for uh, Yoel Armia to return. But considering it's a lost season and considering the number of games are left for the Canadians, I doubt that we'll see Yoel Armia back uh, this season in uh, in Montreal. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, uh, St. Louis said um, he didn't know, um, but he didn't expect him back uh, before the end of the season. And um, we're sorry to hear about uh, the, this family matter that requires his attention. And, and, um, and, and hopefully things are going well for him in Finland. Uh, Jake Evans, he returned to the lineup on Thursday. He, he missed a couple of games after being out with a virus, and he celebrated uh, Thursday with a goal. He was one of the goal scorers, wasn't he, against uh, against the Flyers? Yeah, he was. You know, um, Jake, uh, if he could just stay in the lineup, if, if he could just stay healthy, mm-hmm. um, you know, he used his speed. He had a great shot. That was a, a great shot for the goal. Um, we just, uh, yeah, we hope that he gets fully healthy in the off season, uh, so he can, uh, stay in the lineup next year. Uh, a player who's also had troubles remaining in the lineup is Paul Byron. He was, uh, like injured in Tuesday's game against, uh, the wild. Like there's no time frame provided for his return and, and the sequence itself, his last shift, like the, there's a video posted on uh, on my Twitter uh, timeline from from Tuesday's game, and there was no contact. It just seemed like he he was playing with something, and he just wasn't able to play on it anymore. And while well, he left the game and hasn't returned, and Ricky's also had trouble uh, being consistently healthy to be in the lineup. Well, we remember he he missed the first half of the season. He had hip hip surgery, and that kept him out. Um, both uh, St. Louis and some of the players uh, said that, um, you know, he's, he's a battler and, and he's been fighting through something the past few weeks. They wouldn't be, they weren't specific on, on what, what was going on or, or how long it's been going on. Uh, but it just ca- kind of came to a head, as you said, in, uh, in that game. And, and uh, again, no timeline for his return, but I, I think uh, he'll probably be out the rest of the season as well. Uh, Michael Pizzetta, he was suspended two games by the Department of Player Safety for an illegal check to the head of a TJ Oshie. Incident happened during a Saturday night's game against the Capitals at the Bell Center. And the decision came out and Pizzetta has served these two games, so he would be eligible to return uh, as of uh, tonight's game. It's it's always hard with these. Uh, Pizzetta had no history uh, with uh, the Department of Player Safety. 
but this seems, you know, as explained in the video the Department of Player Safety put out, um, he could have avoided this. It looked like he, he targeted, and, and he only hit Oshi's head. Yes, Oshi came out afterwards, but uh, for, um, I think, came out for the power play afterwards, but um, that's kind of irrelevant. Um, they want to get these headshots out of the game. And, uh, you know, Pizzetta... Uh, he has a history of of, uh, of playing physically, and and that's what uh, what everyone likes about his game. But he also has a history of making some bad decisions, and and this was one. I understand that uh, you know Tom Wilson was going around and and just uh, hitting everything that moved, and and uh, and and the, you know they wanted the Canadians wanted some retribution, but this this wasn't the way to go about it. Yeah, and Pizzetti, like he hasn't had a history of uh, suspension in the NHL because you know he ha- he's barely played in the NHL, but he's had a history in the other levels yep. Yep. of hockey of getting um, supplementary discipline. Uh, another uh, roster news: defenseman Corey Schuneman, he was assigned to the Val Rocket on Wednesday, and it's a case where the the Canadians have a lot of defensemen on their roster. Like we've seen, even Jordan Harris has been playing every second game or so. And while well, Corey Schoenemann, he was eligible to return to the Rocket and help them in their playoff run. And the Canadians did that Wednesday, and he was able to return to play for Laval on uh, on Friday. Yeah, the Canadians had specifically um, done that paper transaction at the trade deadline to make him eligible for uh, the Laval Rocket playoffs. Uh, so good for him to get back uh, to the Rocket uh, in their last few games and get integrated back into the lineup and, and get ready for the playoffs. And with Paul Byron uh, being uh, injured for uh, on, on Tuesday's game, the Canadians, they recalled Rafael Harvey-Pinard from the Laval Rocket. He played one game on uh, Thursday, and then he was returned back to Laval to, for Friday night's game. And the Canadians, it, it sounds like this was done as a reward for, uh, for Harvey-Pinard because they did have extra forwards to dress that, uh, that night. In Laval, uh, Harvey-Pinard has collected 51 points in uh, 65 games so he's had a good season in Laval and Rick it looks like they rewarded him with an opportunity to play uh, one game yeah I think I think they did uh, he had a nice assignment uh, being on the second line um, and uh, and leading the uh, the rocket in in scoring he's had a very good season as you said um, so this was a, a little bit of a a stick tap to him, uh, gets in a game, and now gets energized for um, the, the playoff run in Laval. And Rick, I think we need to clear something up with, with all our listeners. Okay. Because this, this week, in, uh, in, in the media out there, there was um, apparently uh, the media was saying that Rafael Harvey Pinard's nickname in Laval was <laughs> is Lavaliger. <laughs> And, you know, I no. can confirm that that's not the case. No. When Brent Gallagher said that he's never heard that before, it's because he hasn't because nobody calls him that. Is nobody, that they don't call him in Laval. Good in, point. Uh, no. uh, Harvey Pinard. A very good point and well said. Yeah, so that was something created in, on social media. It, was, it's, it wasn't created in Laval. Nobody calls him Lavalger. So I just wanted to make that clear for our listeners. So like that, they know the accurate uh, information. Nicely done. Okay, time now for our uh, prospect report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report. 
your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. All right, we're going to begin with the Laval Rocket. They played three games since last uh, episode. Uh, the Rocket were in Cleveland on Saturday for the second game of a series against the uh, Monsters. The score was tied at 1 through 40 minutes before Laval scored three unanswered goals in the third period and wound up with a 4-2 win. Uh, the Rockets, they ended their five-game road trip on Monday in Belleville. The Senators broke a 1-1 tie after one period with three unanswered goals, including an empty net goal in the final 40 minutes to come up with the 4-1 win. And then Laval had a chance to clinch a playoff spot on Friday in front of a sold-out crowd at uh, Place Bell. All they needed was a regulation win over the Marlies. It started off well for Laval as they had a one-nothing lead in the first intermission, but then Toronto scored five unanswered goals in the final two periods to win 5-1. to one. A disappointing performance for Laval in front of their fans, and they'll get another opportunity to clinch a playoff spot uh, tonight if they win over Syracuse and if Rochester loses in regulation versus Cleveland. So tonight they'll need some help if they want to clinch a playoff spot. Uh, you were there last night at Place Bell. Uh, joining you was uh, Michael Spinella, who's joining us in the in the second segment. As you said, it was a uh, uh, pl- playoff atmosphere, uh, that rivalry, uh, that Toronto-Montreal rivalry, uh, Rocket, uh, Marley's, uh, but uh, unfortunately, uh, Laval couldn't get it done. Uh, and it's not going to be easy uh, uh, today's game, tonight's game either, in Syracuse. Uh, Syracuse um, is behind uh, the Rocket are in second currently in the North Division, Cruncher in third, but the difference is three one-thousandths of a percentage point. Uh, and uh, uh, Syracuse has been playing well. They've, they've won two in a row, uh, seven of their last ten. So uh, this is, this is going to be um, a, a difficult game, but an opportunity that Laval has to take advantage of to... to uh, uh, clinch their their birth into the playoffs. Yeah, and like you said, it, it, it's a difficult situation for Laval because they had to travel immediately after the, the game last night. So it was like uh, uh, they left. It was a bit about quarter to 11 p.m. they left, so they got Syracuse like around 2.30 in the morning. And Syracuse, meanwhile, they were playing at home last night against Belleville, so there's no travel time for them. So it's, you know, the odds are stacked against Laval for, uh, for tonight's game, so we'll see what happens. And we should say that Laval has just four games uh, left, including the one tonight. Syracuse has five left. So if Syracuse runs the table, um, they're gonna they're gonna take that spot. But um, and it's a, it. <laughs> I know for we've explained this for our uh, press zone uh, uh, fans, but uh, for here on the Canadians Connection in the AHL this season, teams play a different amount of games. Uh, the Laval Rocket are playing 72 games. Syracuse Crunch playing 76 games. Uh, so uh, we have to look at the points percentage, and that's why it's so uh, razor thin as far as the margins. And now it's, it's time for my story, my, my Yaroslav Halak story, how he haunted the Canadians organization this week. <laughs> Looking forward to it. So on Tuesday... Halak, he was pulled from the game versus the Senators in the first intermission due to an injury. So the Canucks, they called up uh, the goaltender Spencer Martin from Abbotsford, their AHL affiliate. So as a result, Abbotsford needed the goalie. 
Who did they recall? Artur's Silovs, and he was he's been playing with the Tuagvia Lions as their mm. their goalie. So the Lions on Tuesday they had one day to sign a goalie in time for the start of the playoffs because they had to travel to uh, Newfoundland to face the Growlers. And well, Sebastien Lefebvre was signed to act as a backup to goaltender Philippe Desrosiers. And uh, Lefebvre, he was playing university hockey with Concordia Stingers. So essentially, now, like the, the ever since Silovs joined the Troisville Lions, they were alternating starts the entire time between Silovs and Desrosiers. But now with Silovs gone with Abbotsford, Desrosiers becomes the, the number one goalie for the Lions. The only goalie that could save them right now would be Kevin Poole, and Kevin Poole is eligible to play in the playoffs. <laughs> so if the Rocket decides you know, to help out the Lions, which won't happen, they could send over Kevin Poole to, uh, to Trois-Rivières. Yeah. So that's my, that's my story for Yaroslav Halak. Halak again. Years later. Yeah, yeah again. <laughs> uh, back on the ice, the Trois-Rivières Lions, well, they opened their seven-game series against the Growlers in Newfoundland on Friday. So Friday, as, as Rick mentioned, it was... Leafs and Canadians HL teams facing each other, and it was the same thing in the ECHL Leafs. Uh, sorry, Canadians and Leafs uh, ECHL affiliates. The Lions were off to a good start. They were leading two to one through 20 minutes, but the Growlers scored three unanswered goals in the second period to take the lead, and they never looked back as they went on to win seven to four. Olivier Galipo and Alexis Daou, two key players for Trois Rivières Lions, did not finish the game due to injury. The status for both of those players is undetermined for Game 2, which will be, depending on where you listen to us, but on the East Coast, it's this afternoon in uh, in Newfoundland. So the Growlers have a one nothing series lead over the, the Lions. And make sure to visit uh, allhabs.net, the Habs notepad, on uh, Monday morning for, uh, for a game recap of uh, the Saturday's game in uh, this series. Rick, uh, why don't you tell us about an announcement that was made by the WHL? Western Hockey League um, this week, uh, they made a couple of announcements. Um, first, they they announced uh, their All-Star uh, teams. And in the Central Division, uh, their first All-Star team included defenseman Caden Gooley um, from the Edmonton Oil Kings. Of course, Caden, Caden Gooley, widely considered uh, the Canadians' best amateur prospect, uh, Caden Gooley's been uh, out for a bit with injury, but uh, has returned uh, to uh, the the first round of the WHL uh, playoffs uh, for the Edmonton Oil Kings. They're playing uh, the Lethbridge Hurricanes. They play again Saturday night. Edmonton leads that series uh, one to nothing. Um, but also uh, the other announcement was that um, the WHL. Uh, nominated their or named their their divisional nominees. Uh, they uh, for each position they name a, a nominee, uh, f- and uh, the defenseman uh, the the defenseman of the year in the in the WHL uh, wins the uh, Bill Hunter Memorial uh, Trophy for uh, the Central. Uh, the uh, nominee for defenseman of the year is Caden Gooley. Um, and uh, so we, we, it's it's uh, a tremendous recognition for Gooley and and uh, the season that he's had. He's had uh, a season of uh, forty two points in forty two games. 
Um, and we'll know as of uh, June 1st, um, that's when the, the uh, um, award, the Bill Hunter uh, Memorial Award, will be presented if Gooley is the successful nominee. But regardless, uh, a tremendous season uh, for Gooley, and, and we wish him uh, well in the playoffs. And uh, make sure to read the content over at AHL.Report and also to listen and subscribe to the Press Zone podcast, which is uh, published every Tuesday, hosted by Amy Johnson and uh, Rick uh, Stevens. And they always keep you up to date on everything that's happening with Val Rocket and uh, any other Canadians prospect news. In other hockey news, the the NHL announced that the draft lottery will take place on May 10th. So this is when we'll find out at what spot the Canadians will make their pick at uh, the, this year's draft at the Bell Centre. If, if they're number one seed, they get 18.5% chance. If they finish the second seed, it's 13.5%. And if they finish third place, it's 11.5% odds of winning the, the lottery. And I haven't done the math, but I don't think they could finish any lower than the, the third the third seed. But, uh, Rick, regardless, one, two, or three, some uh, some good odds for the Canadians for getting a good draft pick. So circle that date on your calendar, May 10th. The, the draft lottery is meaningful to Montreal Canadiens fans uh, this season. Right now occupying uh, the 31st uh, position with 51 points below them, Arizona at 50 points. Now there's a bit of a gap uh, has opened up. Uh, Seattle with 58, uh, Philadelphia with 59. So um, there's there's a good chance uh, that the Canadians are going to end up with one of those top three draft spots. Um, but um, tune in on May 10th to find out uh, what what spot they get. We should say that that uh, that's sometimes done uh, in a studio in person, but this year again uh, is going to be done virtually. Uh, with uh, all the general managers um, uh, that that are affected um, in their their home spots, and in in other news, uh, Rick uh, Julie Petrie, she's usually pretty active on uh, social media, and she posted some uh, family news this week. She did, um, and and listen, we don't typically talk about family news uh, on the Canadians Connection, um, but this is something that relates to Jeff Petrie and a decision that the Petries as a family made. Uh, and Julie was was quite open with this on on social media that uh, their son uh, Boyd had spent three nights in a Michigan hospital. Um, he was suffering from viral um, pneumonia. Uh, Boyd is is uh, subject to, to having asthma attacks, and and uh, there were several pictures of, of Boyd in hospital. Um, like I said, he spent three nights there getting getting uh, steroid treatments and and uh, and other treatments uh, to help his breathing. Um, and we remember that that uh, Julie Petrie, one of the reasons that she stayed in in Michigan uh, with the three boys. Uh, what she talked about the the special uh, health uh, uh, situation in their family, um, and that she wanted to have uh, to have access to the Michigan hospital, and also uh, in this situation, while Julie and Boyd were in hospital, 
um, they had family support to take care of the other two boys. And, and there was a, a picture of grandma <laughs> uh, involved with the, uh, quite an active game of mini sticks. Um, so uh, I, kn- I know Julie Petrie has been uh, criticized, uh, but but we're, we're presenting this. Uh, maybe um, fans can have uh, some understanding about the, the Petrie's situation and their decision. And as we know, because of that, uh, Ken Hughes is, has committed to um, uh, to in the off season uh, trying to find a, a new home in the states for uh, Jeff Petrie, and and so uh, we'll see how he's able to uh, coordinate tra- coordinate that trade in the summer. On uh, Wednesday, the Canadians alumni met with the Canadians' current management team, uh, which was Jeff Gordon, Kent Hughes, uh, Martin St. Louis was there, Jeff Monson was there. So there was about, what, like about uh, 10 alumni members, like uh, uh, Patrice Bisbois, Gilbert Delorme, uh, who else was there, Chris Nyland, Damfous, uh, Serge Momesso, Bob Gainey, Yvon Lambert, Yvon Cornoyer, Reggie Wool, and uh, Guy Lapointe, I think, were the ones that were there. As well, and and Rick, like the, the feedback that we've gotten through the event, it seems like the, everybody on both sides of this um, of this night appreciated the 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 event. Yeah, I think I think so. Um, we remember that that during the Mark Bergevin era, the um, relationship between uh, management and the alumni was rather strained, um, and we, we've heard Serge Savard and others talk about um, how disappointed they were that uh, the alumni wasn't uh, included more often. Um, Jeff Gordon talked about this uh, early on uh, after he was hired, that, that that was one of his goals, is to improve the relationship and 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 bring in the uh, the alumni and and um, listen to to them as well and and uh, I think this was a, a great event. I, I, you you uh, listed um, all the ones there. I, I think um, Thibodeau was the one that that many weren't getting from the, the picture, um, but it, it was a a great event. Um, Marty St. Louis said, uh, you know, he's not typically shy in social situations, but at this event, he did a lot of listening. Um, and I think that's appreciated by, uh, by the alumni. Uh, they've been through this. They know the pressures of playing in, in a market like Montreal and, uh, and they can have some, some good advice. We saw Yvonne Cornway spending some time with Cole Caulfield, um, after the, the Yvonne Cornway bobble night game. Uh, this week, it, it, I I like what I'm seeing, uh, and and spearheaded by Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes. And speaking of alumni, like we we've mentioned about it since the the, the top of the episode. Well, on Tuesday, the Montreal Canadiens they released a statement asking for everyone to respect the privacy of Guy Lafleur and his family. It, it kind of gave us of an unfortunate hint of what was coming, but on Friday. Uh, it was official that we learned that uh, Guy Lafleur passed away. Mesdames et Messieurs, l'éternel numéro 10, le démon blanc, Guy Lafleur! Hockey? 
hockey fans, feel the action on the ice like never before with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Right now, new customers can bet just $1 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Now, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still hit the ice for cold hard cash. New customers can make their first deposit and play free for thousands with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. Draft your lineup of eight skaters and a goalie and rack up points for goals, assists, saves, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team to win, and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 and over, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, welcome back to Canadian Connection Podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Chris Jean. You can find me on Twitter at ChrisHabs360. And with me in studio is the president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him on Twitter at uh, AllHabs. And also joining us for this segment is uh, Michael Spinella. How are you doing, Michael? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Thank you guys for inviting me along. Pleasure to have you. And just a reminder, you can follow Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at canadiansconnection.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the Canadians Connection podcast in the player or on your favorite podcast app. And at the same time, leave a comment, give us a five-star rating as well. And don't forget to let everybody know about the Canadians Connection uh, podcast. For our big topic, well, it's not an easy topic to cover, but it's an important one because, well, on, on Friday we found out that Montreal Canadiens legendary Hall of Famer Guy Lafleur, he passed away at the age of 70 years old after a 31-month battle with, uh, with lung cancer. So in, in this segment, we're going to go through uh, Guy Lafleur, his, uh, his playing career, or some memories, what he meant to the world of hockey, to the province of Quebec, etc. So there's there's lots to cover for Guy Lafleur, and that's normal because well he did lots for uh, the the world of of hockey. And and let's start off, Michael, with uh, with Guy Lafleur's playing career. Yes, so well, it started off with, uh, I guess, a really significant uh, start in uh, junior hockey. So we'll go all the way back to his first season in uh, Quebec Major Junior, uh, 1969-1970 season. Uh, he played for the Quebec Ramparts, and uh, well, and uh, he put up 103 goals in uh, 100 and 170 points in his first season. And it only got better for him as in year two for uh, his junior career, he uh, put up 130 regular season goals, 209 points <laughs> in 62 games. Incredible. Yeah. And that led uh, the Rampart to uh, win the Memorial Cup. I'll also mention that uh, in uh, 14 playoff games, he put up 43 points. 
So yeah, really a, a really good career for him in junior. And that translated to him being a first overall pick by the Montreal Canadiens in 1971. And uh, he would later become one of the best players for the last half of the 1970s. Well, just to add there, Michael, is that um, it, it wasn't a slam dunk, even with those numbers in junior, it wasn't a slam dunk that uh, Guy Lafleur would be the first uh, pick taken. Uh, Marcel Dion was also doing some things and, and uh, being another French-Canadian player, uh, had some interest uh, for the Montreal Canadiens. And, and at the time, it, the interesting part to me anyway, was that uh, Guy Lafleur wasn't even sure that he wanted to be a Montreal Canadian. And, and he told uh, Sports Illustrated that, um, I see what Gil- Jobel Perrault is doing in, in Buffalo, and I'd love a chance like that. Um, you know, I wouldn't hate Buffalo. <laughs> so uh, can you imagine him going and playing with um, uh, Perot? And, and uh, I, I, I can't. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't a slam dunk that, uh, that he would be taken. And it wasn't uh, a slam dunk that he, uh, he wanted to come to Montreal when, when he thought about it, uh, given all the talent that was already with the Canadians. Mm-hmm. But, uh, well, ultimately, he would end up on the Canadians as, uh, in his rookie season. Uh, I guess his first few seasons in the NHL, he didn't quite reach that level of stardom that uh, maybe some were expecting. Uh, his first season, he put up 29 goals and 64 points. Uh, that was a season where Montreal lost in the playoffs to the New York Rangers. Uh, through six playoff games, he uh, had five points, one goal. And uh, in his sophomore season, he had, uh, I guess, some similar stats, uh, 28 regular season goals. But that would be a significant season as that was his first of five Stanley Cups, eight points in 17 games in the playoffs. And well, over the course of his first three years, he was a 20 plus goal scorer and uh, he would soon take things to the next level. By 1974, it seemed like Lafleur had become one of the most popular players on the Montreal Canadiens, and he earned the pedigree for being a really, really good goal scorer and a really smooth skater. In 1974-75, he managed to blossom into an elite talent and uh, double the amount of goals that he scored in the previous season, scoring 53. And he would go on to score at least 50 or more goals, and put up at least 119 points or more every season between 1974-75 and 1979-1980. Over that stretch, Lafleur would go on to win four more Stanley Cups. Like I mentioned, that's a total of five in 1976, 1977, 1978, and 1979. In 1977, he was also the playoff MVP, winning the Conn Smythe. He also won three back-to-back Art Ross trophies. 1976, he put up 125 points. In 77, he put up 136 points. And in 78, he put up 132 points. He also won back-to-back Hart trophies in 1977 and 78. Three Ted Lindsay trophies in 76, 77, and 78. And six times he was voted as a first-team NHL All-Star. So that's not a bad player for the Montreal Canadiens over the course of that stretch. But unfortunately, uh, heading into the 80s, that uh, Montreal Canadiens dynasty would come to an end with the likes of Ken Dryden, Jacques Lemaire, and others retiring. 
Unfortunately, in the early 80s, LaFleur's play would start to dip a little bit. Uh, He would start to miss some games due to some injuries and whatnot. But he did remain a point-per-game player, at least until uh, the end of the 1980-83 season. So he was still having a pretty good impact. But unfortunately, uh, after a slow start in 1984, uh, Lafleur did announce his retirement uh, from hockey, just playing 19 games that season. And there is a very memorable moment in which uh, Lafleur would receive a five-minute standing ovation at the Montreal Forum during his final skate. It was it was a, a tough time because just to interrupt. Uh, uh, you know, his former line mate, as you said, Scotty Bowman had moved on. Um, uh, Lafleur's former line mate, uh, Jacques Lemaire, uh, had always been the defensive conscience of that line and uh, became a very defensive coach. And um, and they didn't see eye to eye, and, and uh, Lafleur and, and Lemaire. Um, and at the time, Lafleur asked Serge Savard uh, for a trade. Uh, Serge Savard didn't want to be known as the guy who traded... <laughs> Um, um, Guy Lafleur. So he said no, and and that kind of, I guess Serge Savard forced his his hand uh, to retire before he was ready. As you said, just nineteen games into that season. But he would go on to be elected to the uh, NHL, or sorry, the Hockey Hall of Fame in nineteen eighty eight. And later, he did uh, go back to play some NHL games and uh, joined Gordie Howe as the only members of the Hall of Fame to actually come back and play in the NHL. He joined the New York Rangers for a season in 1988, and then the next two years he would spend playing with the Quebec Nordique before retiring officially in 1991. So his career stats, 560 goals, 1,353 points in 1,126 NHL games. And in 1984, the Montreal Canadiens did retire his number 10. So really, really good career. Um, Lafleur is definitely one of the all-time best. Uh, he's somebody that uh, I think growing up a young hockey fan, he's a name that you know almost immediately. I don't think I remember a time that I didn't know who Guy Lafleur was, and I, I don't think I was born until after he was re- retired. So one of the all-time greats, and uh, what a what a great career. It was fascinating in that, um, you know, Canadians fans had an expectation uh, that, that you'd move from one star to, to the next. And um, you had the, the real fiery Rocket Richard uh, who gave way then to um, Jean Beliveau, who's, who's been described as, as stately. Um, and, and then next person up, um, you know, uh, Beliveau retired in 71 and, um, after the, the Canadian 71, uh, cup win. And at that next draft, uh, the next one up was Guy Lafleur and, and, um, and Guy was, you know, there was some expectations of him. Um, and I think it was, there was some criticism of Scotty Bowman, uh, the way he sheltered Guy those first couple of years, uh, but I think, you know, it was a team with, with a ton of stars. They didn't have to rely on Guy Lafleur and, and he could, um, you know, develop and, and, uh, within, within a, within a, a shelter and, and, uh, then was able to explode, uh, as you mentioned in, um, after those first three years, um, and became that dynamic flamboyant kind of, uh, player that, uh, took over, uh, in the latter part of the, the, the seventies. 
Yeah, it was a, quite quite a career. Like uh, when it comes to his on nice performance, and you know, Michael he did a great job, like in in recapping what he did on on the ice for uh, for for Guy Lafleur. And as as we've mentioned, at Guy Lafleur, he had an impact to all over across the, the hockey world. And and well, on Friday there was reactions pouring from all across the NHL. And well, we we picked up a couple of of comments that we would like to share with uh, with your listeners. And we'll start it uh, locally. Well, uh, locally meaning the Montreal Canadiens. When uh, Brendan Gallagher spoke to the media, and he spoke about the pride of wearing the the jersey. And there's certain names. Uh that when you talk about the Montreal Canadiens, you know, it's it's Richard, it's Beliveau, and it's it's Guy Lafleur, and, and these are the guys that, um, you know, there's obviously a lot more, but these are the names that, uh, you know, we're really proud to wear the, the Montreal Canadiens logo and to wear that CH uh, because all the history and tradition that comes with it, and these are the guys that built that tradition, and, uh, you know, they mean a lot to, to the organization, they mean a lot to, uh, you know, all the fans that we have. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tough day. Um, you know, for for everyone in the in the organization and, and the Montreal Canadian community, for sure. We hear it all the time: the legendary Mon- Montreal Canadiens, the most storied franchise in the NHL. The reason it is is because they won, um, and uh, and that was provided by by a lot of players, but in particular, guys like Rocket Richard and Jean Beliveau and Guy Lafleur, and I think uh, Brendan uh, really encapsulated, um, you know, why it's. Uh, you know, the, the players now uh, know that history and, and it's, they have pride in putting on the jersey uh, because of what was provided by the players that went before them. I think uh, Lafleur standing out playing with guys like Yvonne Corway, um, Larry Robinson, Bob Ganey, and Ken Dryden. The fact that Lafleur was like one of the greats on a team with players like that that's that's pretty significant too uh it's not always that uh, you have a guy on a such a stacked team that is that big star yeah the, the, I, I agree with that it's uh he, he was a star amongst a star which is which is quite quite the accomplishment uh, there was also some reaction from current coach calgary from current calgary flames coach Giles sutter and while sutter he he had to face Guy Lafleur during his playing career. What you remember about him? He's a great player. player. He's a classy player. Uh, I can remember actually some of the first games I played against Guy. Uh, I remember opening night in Montreal for him, and our line had to check uh, his line, so I was the left winger and he was the right winger, and. So that was a big thing, just opening night. But but we beat Montreal 8-7, and I had four assists, and I held Lafleur to three goals. <laughs> <laughs> he was such a great skater, such a color. Like it's, I don't, you know, you look at it now. He was in that the type of skater he was. He was in like that McDavid class of skater. Like when he had the puck, he was so dynamic. And he was a hard, you know, the rules are different then. You know, you could use your stick and glide and do a little bit of that stuff with him. He was just such a good player and he could score from everywhere. 
I, I love that story uh, by Sutter and the, the memory to remember the, the, you know, the assignment that he had, the fact that uh, he held, uh, in quotes, Lafleur to three goals that he had four assists and, and correctly uh, said that they, they won a high-scoring game. Um, it, it's, it's, and he talked about the skating. You know, a lot of people t- talk about um, his, his skating and, and uh, the way his, his hair flew and uh, once he uh, ditched the helmet. But, um, you know, a lot of times when you want to know something about uh, the Montreal Canadiens, certainly of that area, I, I always go back to uh, the book, The Game uh, by Ken Dryden. And um, people talk about, sometimes um, mistakenly, uh, uh, about that um, um, Lafleur was a smooth skater. He wasn't. Um, and uh, I'm just look in the book here of a passage. Uh, Dryden says, um, Helmet, helmetless, he starts out with a suddenness that sen- sends his hair flipping up in the back. In three or four strides, he pulls away, uh, the, the hair pulling away at its temple, streaming out behind him like a flag in the breeze. Stooped and coiled, an ascetic, blade-like figure, he moves without elega- the elegant smoothness of Jobert Perrault or Mike Bossy, instead cutting and chopping the ice with exciting effort. Um, and I think he, he, he just generated that excitement and... Um, and that's, I think, what Sutter's getting at when he, you know, it's tough to compare players from different eras, but, but just uh, the excitement that we see now when Connor McDavid gets the, the puck is similar uh, to what Guy Lafleur was able to do. And in terms of reactions from from the world of hockey, like we could be here days and days reading all of them that uh, that were made over the last uh, twenty four hours. But Rick, there was one particular one that you know caught your attention, which was from uh, Mario Lemieux. Many of the organizations and and organizations that are, are rivals, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, uh, Boston Bruins uh, tweeted uh, their their uh, condolences. But the Pittsburgh Penguins, in a special way, uh, from, there was a message from Mario Lemieux, and his message read. As a boy in Montreal, Guy was larger than life to me. I idolized him as a player. I respected him as a person and always cherished him as a friend. Um, Mario Lemieux, uh, great in his own right, uh, but uh, put out this tweet and, and his expressions of, of uh, sympathy. Um, and the picture is, is Guy uh, standing on the Canadian's bench, his arm raised, acknowledging the crowd, and in the first row behind him as a teenager, a prospect at that time, is Mario Lemieux uh, applauding, um, wearing, a, wearing a suit and a, and a rather wide tie, I should say, for that, that <laughs> time. Um, so just, um, you know, it's, hockey is a small community, and, uh, and, and there was um, uh, Mario Lemieux uh, growing up idolizing Guy Lafleur. And... And Guy Lafleur, he was uh, uh, idolized not only by people in uh, in in from Canadians fans worldwide. Uh, he was idolized by a, a lot of hockey fans in general. But he had a special impact in the province of Quebec, his home province. So he was born in uh, Turso, and 
even Jeff Molson, when he spoke to uh, the media yesterday, he said that one of his first decisions as the owner was to sign uh, Igila Flores, an ambassador, signed to a 10-year contract, which is, you know, crazy to have as any kind of a contract but that's how much he, he wanted Gila Fleur and he knew his importance that Gila Fleur had well and had I should say in the in the province in the organization and in the world of hockey and in the province of Quebec Gila Fleur he was loved by everybody he was an icon united he, he united people like and just looking from in social media yesterday, I felt like I was the only one that hadn't taken a picture of Gila Fleur. <laughs> like Gila Fleur, he like everybody posted photos with him, and all the the memories that we heard from whether it's from former players, from people who had who had met him in in, in an event. Gila Fleur was very generous with the people when it comes to signing autographs taking pictures he would never say no and this lasted even up to you know up to recently any any situation where you know he was physically able to do so he wouldn't say no to any opportunity for for fan for fans uh in the province or out of the province everybody loved Gila Fleur he loved the people as well and people related to to Gila Fleur, uh, the people in Quebec they would look up to him. They would see like Gila Fleur and and Michael. Top of the segment, he mentioned like all the success that he had in the NHL, and they thought, well, if Gila Fleur can go and dominate in the NHL, that I could do it too. And he became a idol for for everybody in the province. He was a very special person. He was a very important icon. In uh, in the province, in the province as well, he he owned a, a two restaurants uh, in his uh, in in the two thousands. Both were were successful. I I actually been to one of them in uh, the Bleu Blanc Rouge in uh, in Rosemary, and you know it was a great restaurant as um, as well for Gila Fleur. So he had a great impact to uh, to the province, and. Yesterday, when Jeff Molson met the media, he was asked to explain um, why he felt that Gila Fleur was had such a special connection with uh, with uh, Quebecers. Um, I think the Montreal Canadiens are um, an integral part of the community in Quebec, um, and they always have been. Um, and uh, no matter which corner of the province you're from, um, the feeling is that Quebecers own this team um, and it belongs to them and um, Guy Lafleur represented that perfectly because no matter where he went he um, he represented the people who um, uh, who love this team and I think it was so appreciated uh, that uh, that he was that way and um, obviously there were others that were that way um, but today we're talking about Guy and he was one of the best um, he's uh, uh, he's a man that um, also was very direct um, in his responses to questions, and I think Quebecers appreciate that as well. I don't think 
Guy Lafleur had any cliches in his in his head. Um, I think that I think that he he was direct, and I think our 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 fans loved that in him. But at the end of the day, I think that the Montreal Canadiens are a team of of our community, and um, and you don't see that in very many cities across North America. Jeff Molson talked about um, you know in in every corner. Um, I think I think we can broaden that because Guy Lafleur was brought uh, beloved. Uh, in in every uh, corner of uh, North America, you find fans, and uh, as you said, Chris, uh, that went even beyond his um, his playing career. Um, he was part of the the old time what was called the alumni tour, the old timers uh, games, and and those games, the Montreal Canadiens old timers would travel to very small communities uh, throughout Canada, and uh, and particularly. Uh, in the far north, um, and uh, our Facebook page, uh, the All Habs Hockey Magazine Facebook page, facebook.com slash allhabs. If you go there, uh, you'll see that there's uh, thousands of, of comments, particularly from those in the far north uh, who uh, remember um, Guy Lafleur traveling up there with the team and, as you said, uh, taking all the time necessary to make sure that he signed every single autograph or took pictures with fans. He meant, um, he meant so much to um, uh, fans uh, everywhere. Uh, he did, and uh, we also got some... Um uh, some a perspective from one of our team members here at uh, Rocket Sports Media from uh, Brian Clark. He had the opportunity to watch Gila Fleur at the Montreal Forum, and let's hear his thoughts. Growing up in the 70s, I had the good fortune, thanks to my dad, to go to a lot of Montreal Canadiens games, and this was at the, the team's pinnacle of greatness. There was no greater thrill to this day than seeing Gila Fleur, Le Demon Blanc, with that incredible burst of speed, hair flowing, skating with incredible ease, and TV like many things today, just really didn't do, do what he did on the ice justice. And man, what a treat it was seeing him play hockey. An electrifying talent, there'll never be another like him. Thank you, Guy. Real nice comment from Brian. Um, he, we, we have members of, of the Rocket Sports team from uh, all backgrounds and, and with all uh, experiences. And Brian was very fortunate uh, to, as a young boy, to get to go to the Montreal Forum and to experience live what many of us haven't. Uh, and that is that excitement, that energy, that electricity uh, that flowed through uh, the Montreal Forum. Um, when when Guy Lafleur stepped on the ice, and that uh, anticipation, that sense of anticipation, that as soon as he touched the puck in his own end, and and um, you know I I saw uh, that on TV, but I'm sure it wasn't the same as as Brian says uh, that that wave of of excitement that that builds, and um, it, it, a real nice memory for Brian. And, and again, I go back to uh, Ken Dryden and, and his perspective being in, in the goal crease, watching these things happen and kind of supports what Brian said. And let me just read uh, another passage here. Uh, Lafleur comes onto the ice more than 25 times a game. And when he does, fans nudge and point and talk into a buzz. And sometimes they applaud. And when he gets the puck, there's a sudden escalating roar of a scoring chance though he's barely made it to center. And when he scores, which is often, he gets a sound reserved for no one else. 
um, I think both Brian and and Ken did a good job describing what it's lo- what it was like uh, to uh, be in the building uh, when Guy Lafleur was on the ice. And uh, we heard Jeff Molson talk about the Guy Lafleur being direct and uh, like he doesn't have any cliches. He didn't have any cliches in his uh, in his system. And let's hear uh, our our own blind Brian Clark uh, comment on that. Another thing that I appreciated about Guy Lafleur was his brutal honesty in interviews. We had an example of that in 2016 when he was asked about the current state of the Montreal Canadiens. And his response was, they need better players. They're a team with four fourth lines. And that could not have sat well with Mark Bergevin. But that's why we loved Guy. Brutal honesty. Thank you, Guy. There will never be another like you. Thanks again, Brian, for that. And 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 he's right. Um, from Guy, you're, you'd get the unvarnished uh, truth as he saw it. Uh, the interesting thing, when he made that comment about uh, the Canadians having four fourth lines, uh, he was he was still an ambassador on that 10, 10 year contract uh, uh, signed by uh, Jeff Molson. So um, you know, even the 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 uh, constraints of being an ambassador and promoting the game, uh, he was speaking directly to the fans, and and they really appreciated that. Yeah, and that certainly helped build the connection with uh, with Guy Lafleur and uh, the fan base, not just in Quebec but all of Canadians fans. The the way he was honest and and not holding back, not being politically correct, just speaking what uh, what he feels is is the uh, is the truth. Uh, so Rick. Uh, you kept a couple of particular days, like there's highlights for Gila Fleur, like I mentioned, we could probably stay here for hours or even days talking about uh, memories of, of Gila Fleur and his highlights of his career, but you chose three particular dates, and why don't you start us off by talking to us about uh, a playoff game that happened in 1979. Yeah, I, I chose three uh, dates from uh, that relate to my own experience, um, and but also that that kind of span different generations uh, of the career of of uh, Guy Lafleur. And and this first one um, is a, a playoff game. It was Game Seven of the Stanley Cup uh, semifinals, uh, the Canadians and the Bruins, um, and uh, May tenth, nineteen seventy nine. I, and and listen every every time I I, I watch this um, it 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 just or, and it's listening to it that gives me chills. The great Danny Gallivan uh, encapsulated it so well. Um, this was the very famous uh, too many men call uh, with uh, two minutes and thirty four seconds remaining in the game. Bruins up four three. Don Cherry behind the bench uh, called for too many men, and the Canadians go to the power play. Uh, but Danny does a, a much better job than I uh, in in describing uh, how the moment played out. Well, this is a, a terribly inopportune time for the Boston Bruins to pick up a penalty of that nature and of that magnitude at this time, as you say, with two minutes and 34 seconds remaining. Well, there you have the entire season wrapped up in that scene where they're getting together to plan an attack that will give them the goal to keep their hockey lives going for this year. Stall for the face-off for the right of Gilbert. We have Lemaire, Shad Savard, and Byron Robinson. 
The Bruins getting the draw. Brad Park fanned on it, failed to clear it out. It centered right in front. Now Park takes a look and he shoots it down the ice. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston four, Montreal three. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. Oh! Again, again, I got those chills. That, that is an incredible mm. call. It was an incredible moment. Um, search out that clip. Uh, it's it's amazing. Now, now that was just the tying goal, uh, but the the electricity in the building. Um, and, and seeing Lemaire, he pushes across the line, pushes the defense back, uh, back pass to uh, Lafleur, who puts it past uh, uh, Gilbert. Um, incredible, iconic moment in, in Canadians' history. And you just knew at that point uh, the, the Canadians were going to take it in overtime. They did uh, with an overtime uh, game-winning goal by uh, Yvonne Lambert. Um, uh, Rajan Uhl set it up, of course, Rajan Uhl, uh, father of, of J.F. Uhl, uh, head coach in, in Laval, to make that connection. Um, one of the most uh, iconic moments in, uh, in Guy Lafleur's uh, history with the Canadians. And you're right, just listening to that audio, I got uh, the chills as well. And I haven't seen that clip in a while, but I'll certainly go look for it. But just the audio of it was, uh, was quite something. Uh, the next date that you picked for us... Rick was a bit, uh, you know, about 10 years later, and this was when uh, Guy Lafleur was with playing with the Quebec Nordiques. January 16th, 1990, uh, at the Winnipeg Arena, uh, and I was there um, in the seats. Um, and, you know, many Canadians fans... Um, there was, as Michael described for us, there was that gap um, where... Uh, Guy Lafleur had retired, and then he made a comeback. He was invited uh, by Phil Esposito uh, to to join the Rangers, and then went to the unthinkable at the time, uh, the Quebec Nordique. And um, Canadians fans weren't happy, and and uh, you know, Canadians fans are in every building, and they were there in um, in in the Winnipeg Jets uh, arena, and and. Um, you know, there were some boos when, during warmup and, um, but this was a, this was a game, the Quebec Nordique were, were not a great team at that time. Um, I think they had won, um, nine games to that point, but, uh, there was, there was Guy Lafleur, um, wearing number 10 for Quebec and, and, um, there was, uh, players like Michelle Goulet, um, uh, Peter Stasny, um, Mario Merwa, um, and, uh, number 19, uh, Joe Sackick. Um, and to see Guy Lafleur, there was, you know, I was watching Guy and, and watching him on the bench and there he sat next to Joe Sackick and, and Joe Sackick would obviously, um, he had talent then, but would become a, a superstar in his own right. Um, but in the second period of the game, um, I believe it was three, two, four, for the Jets, um, there was a face-off um, in the Jets zone, and uh, Guy Lafleur was um, there on the right wing, uh, lined up for the face-off against the boards right in front of me, and uh, I posted some pictures for our team on on Slack, and and I I just had a feeling, and I so I picked up my camera, which was kind of 
Um, you know, in the Winnipeg arena, that was a bit of a no-no. The, during during warm-ups was fine, but they didn't like you to take pictures during the game. But I, I just had a feeling, and uh, uh, there was a bit of a scramble, and the puck uh, went out, out of the zone, but uh, came back in, and it was Tony McKegney that set up Guy Lafleur. Um, and yes, this was, as you said, 10 years later, but Guy, Guy Lafleur all alone in front of Daniel Berthum, and <laughs> uh, he made that little little move uh, and uh, and put it between his legs and uh, the place went crazy and uh, all of those bad feelings or negative feelings were gone and they they were chanting gee 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 and it was uh, uh, the Nordics went on to to, to win eight six it was it was a great game and it was great to see um, Guy Lafleur live uh, even though at that point he had uh, moved on uh, to another team. Yeah, and, and the hockey fans in Winnipeg are great, so it must have been electric in that uh, in that arena at that time. Yeah, and uh, the last uh, date you picked out for us, Rick, was in December of twenty oh nine. That was the uh, December fourth in uh, two thousand nine. Was uh, during the season of of this uh, Canadian Centennial celebration, their hundredth year anniversary, and um, it was. Wow, it was special. It was really special, and and um, in, in that game, it, it, it in in those pregame ceremonies, um, it started uh, like so many uh, Canadians games had started during the the seventies. The trainer Eddie Palchuk came out. Um, he was wearing his famous red satin jacket, and he had a red bucket, and he dumped pucks on the ice, and then all of the Canadians. Uh, alumni started streaming out and there was Robinson and there was Ganey and there was the Mahavliches and there was Cornway and there's Dryden and there's Waugh. And there was Guy Lafleur uh, skating side by side with uh, Steve Schott, his, his line mate, the most productive two, the most productive pair uh, in Canadians history, Lafleur and Schott. And um, the Bell Center was just um, the, everyone on their feet, and they cheered wildly through the entire warm-up and the players skating around. It was hard to know who to look at. Um, and, uh, you know, at one point, uh, Patrick Waugh put his mask on and, and got in the net uh, to be warmed up for shots. Ken Dryden at the other end, he left his mask off. Um, but uh, seeing them warm up for shots. And at one point in the warm-up, Lafleur put a puck in, and again, you heard the gee, gee, gee chant. Um, incredible, incredible uh, night. Um, and and Guy Lafleur was part of that. And then after the warm-up, uh, they all went back to uh, the, the dressing room, and one by one, the players were introduced. And... Uh, uh, Dick Irvin was part of that in introducing players, and some players, a couple of players, got uh, special introductions. Uh, one of those was was uh, John Beliveau, and 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 John was uh, introduced by Gordy Howe, which was uh, pretty amazing. Uh, but Guy Lafleur got a special uh, welcome as well, um, and we heard it as as we went to uh, a break coming into the second segment, and that was Viggo Mortensen. Um, movie star, uh, star of Lord of the Rings, and uh, he gave a really uh, um, stirring introduction. Of course, he's a big Canadians fan, 
and says that he wore a Canadian's T-shirt under his armor for Lord of the Rings. Well, he get, and his favorite player uh, was Guy Lafleur, and he came out in a Lafleur jersey and and made the introduction uh, that you heard um, for Lafleur. And when uh, Guy Lafleur came to the mic, this is what he said. To, to all of you fans that supported that team for 100 years, it was special for you guys, but for us as players, it was something unbelievable. You guys party some night, we partied every night. <laughs> and I really believe that's why we were so successful. So best of luck to the 100 year that's starting another 100 year from now and thank you very much again for your support merci talk about being unfiltered there there was Guy so we know the trick now we know what need, what the Canadians need to do this well not this year it's too late we need, we need to the recipe for next season is go party after every night and celebrate on that. So, so thank you for sharing those, uh, those memories, Rick, uh, you know, it's really great stories. There are really great moments as well. And, you know, there's, there's thousands out there and every story that I've heard about Gila Fleur so far, like in the past, uh, 24 hours have all been great stories and great moments in, uh, Gila Fleur's, um, uh, in his during his career and uh, his uh, post hockey career as well, uh, the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Jeff Bull said that uh, they've been planning tributes for some time because unfortunately we knew that the day was going to come, and the details will be announced uh, soon. But Michael, like yesterday, we were at uh, Place Bell, and you know we saw uh, a tribute that was made by the Laval Rocket. Yeah, it was certainly a shorter tribute than what I would expect at a Montreal Canadiens game, but uh, certainly uh, gave me some chills, and uh, you could hear throughout the entire game, like from the moment that tribute happened, just the Guy chants, and uh, it was really, really nice to see uh, just there's an abundance of support uh, for Guy Lafleur and uh, his family, and uh, it spans across generations. Yeah, and, and it did the uh, 10 seconds moment of silence in memory of uh, Guy Lafleur's uh, number 10, and all the players as well were wearing number 10 on their uh, on their helmets as well. So, but you know, we should expect something bigger from the Canadians on uh, Sunday when uh, the Boston Bruins are at uh, at the Bell Center. Uh, Quebec Premier François Legault. He has offered a state funeral to the family of Guy Lafleur if they choose to go that route. Uh, the family has given itself the weekend to, uh, you know, to talk about it and to make a decision as well. And in the province of Quebec, they're also considering of renaming the Autoroute 50 uh, to uh, to Guy Lafleur, and they've also opened a, they've created, I should say, a book of condolences for Guy Lafleur on the Quebec.ca website. So there'll be many tributes. And also the NHL has, Gary Bettman said that they'll, they'll be doing something in the league at a later time. So definitely Guy Lafleur's name will be altered and make sure that his legacy uh, continues. 
Uh, this was a, a great segment, guys. Brought back some good memories, some some good stories. So, so Mikey, thank you for sharing his his biography as well at the start. And Rick, thank you for sharing your your memories as well of uh, Guy Lafleur. Thanks, guys. Thank you. We're going to take our final break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. When we come back, Rick and I will bring you the Have Your Say segment. Michael, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Stay with us. You're listening to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. All right, welcome back to episode 188 of the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or visit our website at canadiansconnection.com. Lots of Rocket Sports content uh, over every day in our, in our various platforms. And, well, we'll begin with the Habs Notepad. that's written by yours truly, published every Monday morning on allhabs.net with the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, the, the Laval Rocket as well, and the, the Trois-Rivières Lions, and, you know, the Rocket, like we mentioned in the first segment, they're almost clinched the a playoff spot. The Trois-Rivières Lions are currently in the first round playoff matchup against the Newfoundland Growlers, so you'll have all that to recap on Monday morning. As well, before every game, Canadiens game, game day previews, and you'll have a a game recap written by Rick after every single Canadian's uh, game. Over on our 
All Habs YouTube channel. There's the Habs Hockey Report, which is uh, published every Thursday by Amy uh, Johnson. And in the last episode, there was an interview that Amy conducted with uh, Laval Rocket forward Nate Schnarr. So that's a must-see interview. And don't forget when you head over to our YouTube channel to subscribe to make sure that you don't miss uh, any uh, content uh, as well on our YouTube channel. And also don't forget, every Tuesday, the Press Zone podcast with Amy Johnson and Rick Stevens. And uh, every two weeks, uh, Patrick Williams joins them as well with the latest news all over the the Canadians' prospects, Laval Rocket, and uh, with Patrick Williams, like I mentioned, they go over everything that happens across the uh, AHL. Time now for our Canadians Connection question of uh, the week. Uh, well, there was following uh, the passing of uh, Guy Lafleur, uh, Rick, a lot of our uh, readers, our followers on our on the Facebook page left uh, memories for Guy Lafleur. A really nice outpouring um, of of personal memories when when they've had uh, interactions with uh, Guy or or just simply expressions of condolence. Um, and, uh, you can find that again, facebook.com slash all Habs, all one word, all Habs, facebook.com slash all Habs. We have, uh, over 50,000 Canadians fans who regularly chime in there, but this week and particularly about, uh, Guy Lafleur, um, this, this drew fans from every fan base and, uh, it's fun to see that um, there, there's a lot of, of the comments that begin with, I'm not a Canadians fan, but or I'm a fan of, but I still had a, a lot of respect uh, and admiration for, for Guy Lafleur. Let me just read a couple of them. Um, uh, Kathy Ferguson uh, says, Rest in peace to the most exciting player ever. I was so lucky to have watched him play at the Montreal Forum and chant gee, gee, gee with 18,000 other fans. Someone who, like Brian, was uh, at the Montreal Forum. Um, Hugh McMahon says, uh, Gee was my favorite hockey player. It's such a sad day for the hockey world. Uh, Gee was such a special player with enormous talent. He was a true legend, one of the greatest in the game. Uh, it was just one month ago that my grandson gave me a Guy Lafleur Hockey Heroes Upper Deck Hockey Card as he knew Guy was my favorite NHL player. My thoughts and prayers go out to Guy's family and his friends. Rest in peace and take comfort in knowing so many loved and respected you for your accomplishments. You're a true gentleman. Um, this is a Canadian fan. Uh, Hugh is from Calgary. Um, again, all over, all over North America. Um, Peter, uh, LeGriesley says, my condolences to the family and friends of Mr. LeFleur. I was lucky enough to meet him twice in my life. I saw him play as a junior with the Rampart and in the NHL as well. He'll be missed. Um, let me just read, um, maybe a, a, another one. Uh, two more. Uh, Jeff Hickey says, uh, Jean Beliveau was my f- early favorite player, but after he w- retired, it became LeFleur. Uh, and I think that that was for, for many fans. Uh, and uh, Facino says, uh, you know why everyone loved him? He was a good guy. You know why everyone loved him as a good guy and a great hockey player? Because he had respect for everyone. He was so humble. And of course, you mentioned, Chris, uh, that that he grew up in a, a small uh, pulpwood town, Thorso, um, uh, Quebec, Western Quebec, 
um, and just 40 kilometers outside of Ottawa. And he had that kind of humble, uh, small town uh, approach to things. And, and I think that's prepare, prepared him well. Uh, and, and that's why he appreciated um, uh, his fans and, and, uh, and respected them and made time for them uh, because he, he came from humble beginnings uh, to the stardom that we know. So th- those are just a few of the comments. Keep them coming uh, and go through and, and read them because there's some outstanding stories uh, in, uh, on our Facebook page uh, for uh, fans from, from all over the world. Yeah, and... And Gila Firloeta, he was his generosity with uh, the fans, etc. It's also a good role model for current NHL players yeah. as well, for on on things to um, to to try to replicate. But like uh, like Brian mentioned uh, in the second segment in one of his clips, there will only be one Gila Fleur. But you know, we we could always try to be uh, something close to him as much as uh, possible. Sure. Um, Taking a look now at the Canadians' upcoming schedule. Uh, it starts uh, tonight. Canadians are in Ottawa to face the uh, Ottawa Senators. And then uh, on Sunday, tomorrow, the Boston Bruins will be at uh, the Bell Centre to face the Canadians. Then on Wednesday, the Canadians head to Madison Square Garden to face the Rangers. And then on Friday, the Florida Panthers are at uh, the Bell Centre to face the Montreal Canadiens, and then that's, well, that's game 82. It's the end of the season for the, the Canadiens. So, so Rick, this time next week, next Saturday, the season, the regular season for the Canadiens will be over. It seems like the season has dragged on forever. It does, um, but now um, the, the, the Canadiens will have finished this uh, dreadful season and uh, all eyes will look t- uh, to the offseason and to next season with a lot of hope, I think, uh, for uh, what can happen. And also look, uh, you know, to the draft, which will be exciting for Canadians fans, uh, to free agency. Uh, Kent Hughes has promised to make a splash there. And it's going to be uh, interesting to see uh, how uh, that roster comes together. And it all starts, uh, the offseason for the Canadians starts next Saturday. So be sure that you're here uh, to, uh, to, to participate in that um, and to, to check up on the news. And as well, um, I should say, Chris, uh, thanks to Michael for, for joining us. Thanks to Brian for, for contributing. Uh, and thank you, Chris, for uh, guiding us through a, a difficult show, uh, but an important show. Uh, and uh, hopefully we've captured the feelings uh, and, and the emotions from all Habs fans. Uh, and listen, if, if you haven't had a chance yet, uh, reach out to us. Reach out to us on social media. Text us, 5853ROCKET. Send us an email, info at allhabs.net, or head to that Facebook page where so many other uh, fans are expressing uh, their emotions. Facebook.com slash allhabs. Uh, thanks again, Chris, and, uh, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, and also if you appreciate today's podcast, don't forget to subscribe to the Canadians Connection on your favorite podcast app. Leave a rating, uh, leave a comment, and make sure you share us on social media and let everybody know about the Canadians Connection uh, podcast. So we'll talk to you again next week, Saturday, April 30th. And we know we'll have, it'll be the beginning of the off season, which 
Well, like like we mentioned, probably more exciting the Canadians' regular season that they just finished. So there's still plenty of talk about for the Montreal Canadiens uh, going forward. My name is Chris G. Thank you for listening to Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.